Hello, I'm your host John and I thank you for joining us here on Search for Truth. Today we've the final talk in this series called Show Me the Way. We'll be looking into the way of righteousness. Next week we start a new series, so if you want to check up on everything Brian's brought to us about the pattern for Christian discipleship in the last six weeks and this week too, then make sure you send for the free transcript booklet. It's your last chance today, and I'll be telling you how to send for it after Brian's talk. But now let's hear about the way of righteousness from Brian. Thanks, John. A famous part of the Bible says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That's Psalm 23, of course, and these are surely among the words that have brought the greatest comfort to the greatest number of people. They're also full of insight regarding the life and work of a shepherd. I'm told it's almost impossible for sheep to be made to lie down and be at rest unless they're free from fear free from tension, aggravations and hunger. Only the shepherd can make sure these conditions are satisfied. Sheep, of course, require water, and in a dry land the shepherd knows where the best drinking places are. The shepherd will keep his flock on the move from pasture to pasture. This prevents overgrazing, but also prevents reinfestation of the sheep with internal parasites or disease, since the sheep move off the infested ground before these organisms complete their life cycles. Shepherds, certainly those in Bible times and lands, took their flocks to summer pastures up on the mountains. Every mountain has its valleys, sides scarred by deep ravines, and the best route to the top is always up these valleys. The shepherd leads his flock up the paths that wind through the dark valleys where wild animals might be lurking. Then it'll be the shepherd's job to protect the sheep. He used his rod for this, as well as using it to correct any wayward sheep that insisted on wandering away. On the other hand, the staff, as opposed to the rod, was what he used to draw sheep close to him for inspection, and to guide the sheep by laying the tip of that long slender stick gently against the animal's side and applying pressure in the direction he wanted it to go. This pastoral picture is then taken up and used to serve as a parable within New Testament Christianity. The Lord Jesus spoke of himself as the good shepherd, with individual believers being his sheep. But you generally see sheep in a flock, and that's true of how you see believers throughout the New Testament. We find them being gathered into the churches of God as an expansion of the little flock which Jesus had spoken about earlier. Peter, one of Christ's first disciples, was to become an early leader, an elder or shepherd, of which there were many in each and every church of God in New Testament times. For example, here's an extract from one of Paul's missionary journeys. Luke records how Paul returned to churches he'd previously planted, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying, through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. When they had appointed elders for them in every church, having prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So Luke records in Acts 14. 
but notice elders, plural, in every church. Paul would speak to one group of them later in his travels, to a gathering of elders all drawn from the church of God at Ephesus, he said, this is Acts 20, be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God. That emphasises the work of an elder or overseer, same person, as acting like a shepherd leading the flock in paths of righteousness. So as we were saying, Peter was an elder and so a shepherd over and among the flock as it was spread across the local churches of God in every location where they'd been planted in those days. As he wrote that first Bible letter of his, at one point in it he addresses the elders of the grouping of churches he's writing to. And by the way, it must have been a large grouping of churches as the list of place names contains five Roman provinces. But these churches were all united by means of the connection between their elders. Anyway, let's get to 1 Peter chapter 5, where Peter says, I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight not under compulsion but voluntarily according to the will of God and not for sordid gain but with eagerness nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge but proving to be examples to the flock and when the chief shepherd appears you will receive the unfading crown of glory. So Peter was, as we say, a shepherd being an elder among the New Testament churches of God he recognises the supreme authority of the chief shepherd, who is Jesus Christ. But equally, he acknowledges those fellow elders of his in all the churches who, along with him, are under-shepherds, caring for the churches on Christ's behalf. They are a fellowship of elders ruling over a fellowship of interdependent churches, which formed one flock overall in which no individual church was able to do as it pleased. Rather, all were accountable to a united elderhood. This was a system of government for the churches of God in the Christian community known as the Way. Like the Eastern Shepherd with which we began with our quote from Psalm 23, spiritual shepherds like Peter had a duty of care for the believers in their charge to guide them in the ways of the chief shepherd. The natural tendency for sheep to go astray was reflected in the case of those believers in New Testament times who, after committing to follow Christ in the tradition of his apostles, began to swerve aside from the way of the truth, away from the way of righteousness. Now, as we reminded ourselves at the beginning, one main duty of shepherd care is to guide the flock in paths of righteousness. Peter, as a shepherd, was concerned about this, as we see from his second Bible letter, in which he says, speaking of those who turned aside, For if, after they have escaped the defilements of the world by the knowledge of the Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and are overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would be better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn away from the holy commandment handed on to them. It has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to its own vomit and a sow 
after washing returns to wallowing in the mire. When Peter says it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness, he can't be meaning the way of salvation. For how could it ever be better to be unsaved than saved? So by the way of righteousness, which it would have been better for them not to have known, he must be referring to their place of accountable service in a local church of God, their following in the way of the apostles' teaching. Since they'd now be held responsible for openly turning their back on it, it would have been better for them never to have been associated in public church testimony in the first place. The apostles' teaching was, of course, originally given to them by the one who could say, I am the way. Jesus calls himself the way, and he is also called the righteous one. So those who keep his commandments in God's word can fairly be described as following the way of righteousness. The psalmist spoke of God's word as altogether righteous. But this also means that righteousness should be the trademark of Christian disciples. For did not the Lord Jesus say to his disciples, Do not worry then, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Notice how God's kingdom and God's righteousness are brought together there in Matthew chapter 6. God's kingdom, Jesus said, was given to the little flock. And from Paul's missionary journeys, we've seen it spoken of in the same breath as the churches of God which Paul was planting and in which he was appointing elders. In a similar linking of the kingdom and righteousness, Paul could remind believers at Rome that the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So the flock of God, in the interlinked churches of God, all together expressing God's kingdom on earth, and as ruled over on behalf of Christ by a united elderhood, ought to reflect the righteousness of God. In character, it ought to be seen as the way of righteousness. That's a real challenge to our lifestyle, our manner of life. So in conclusion of our series, we've seen that the first Christians were identified in the New Testament history book of Acts as belonging to the way. The conviction that early Christian history, as given in the book of Acts, is more than merely descriptive, has been the key to this series. A series which has pointed to the way as still being the way for disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ to follow. This is the way of Christian service until Christ's return, and it includes the way in which churches of God are to be governed. It has been our privilege to show you the way. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you.
Thanks, Brian, for a very interesting and helpful series. And may it be true for all of us, as it says in Psalm 23, He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Not forgetting, of course, like our song and scripture says, we must seek it too. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now it's your last chance to obtain the free transcript booklet, so if you'd like a booklet sent or more for group study, please contact us and ask for the title, Show Me The Way. And if you're using the post, this is the address. Search for Truth, PO Box 111, Lee, spelt L-E-I-G-H, and the postcode is WN71WJ, England. The email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. You may also be interested to access other programmes and helpful material on our website at www.searchfortruth.org.uk. Now, it's a new series starting next week. It's called Come and See, and it's four weeks of talks which focus directly on Jesus Christ. After an introductory programme, Brian will look at how the Lord Jesus handled people, priorities and power. I hope you can join us. Until then, it's very best wishes from Bible teacher Brian, studio technician David, our young singers and me, John. Thanks for listening and may God richly bless you. Ah.